Okay, so we're going to read Genesis 3, verses 14 to 25, first of all. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he must stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Now we're going to jump to the middle. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11 and verse 4 to 10. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together And the little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. And finally, in Revelation, chapter 21. And verses 19 to 24. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, and the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth, 
will bring their glory into it. And Revelation 22, verse 1. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Amen. Well, Lord, we pray you would anoint Roger's words to us now and help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and bless him as he speaks. Amen. Well, it's rather nice to be back again, isn't it? Uh, Even if you're all looking like a bunch of bandits. But um, we used to play bandits when we were kids. And here we are back to our childhood dealing with one another. I was wondering when Debbie said to me, will you say something on Sunday? I was wondering, where do I start in the midst of all this business? There are so many issues around us at the moment. So many things that we ought to be addressing from the Word of God. And uh, I kept on getting the sense that I ought to talk to you a bit about heaven. Now, we don't talk so much about heaven, perhaps, as we ought to. But I want to talk about heaven from different points of view. I related it back to the beginning where God put man, created man and put man in the garden. And then that all goes wrong. And there is suffering beginning. And uh, yet, at the same time, the original place of man in the creation of God was a place called delights. That's the word Eden, delights. So God's very purpose for us, he wanted us to delight. Now, that's very difficult for many believers today in the world. You've heard the list and there's a lot more. And I thought, because Debbie started there, I better, I remind you of a story that I've told you, I think, before, but about persecution, but I'll tell you this one again just to put things in context. I was reading for the second time about the rise of the church in um, Iran. It began way back in the 19th century through a man called Henry Martin, You might say, I've never heard of him, but if you went to Cambridge and to Holy Trinity Church in Cambridge, right in the centre of the town, next door to the Holy Trinity Church is a building which commemorates Henry Martin. He was one of the many students who were swept along in the desire to be serving our Lord. And uh, it was a wonderful thing that he went to Iran and he sought to preach the gospel. And at the end of, I think it was 20 years, he could only speak of one convert. And yet today, there are, there, it is called the fastest growing church. It's all in homes like you've been for some while, shut up, but added to that, hiding away, or perhaps you've been hiding away from the thought police who are going around trying to get us all run in. But um, this was very serious. And it's been like that for years until this movement began um, some few years back now, really towards the middle of the 20th century. There are so many people being persecuted, put to death for their faith in Christ at the same time as it grows and the more they get persecuted, the more the church has grown. 
So it's a wonderful thing that we're going to find when we get to heaven, which I said I was going to talk about, that there will be many, many people to enjoy listening to their stories and hearing how God sustained them when they were down in all the earthiness to which we're confined at the moment. <clears throat> but this earthiness in which we live, I want to leave you with the impression this morning, is that as we live ourselves in heaven, and that puts another thought, I keep getting new thoughts that I should share with you, <laughs> but even though we're going to talk about heaven, we're not talking about something which we wait for, which is at the end of the line. I'm sure that is something which is wonderful and something that many people who are suffering for their faith today are looking forward to it. But I'm thinking a little bit more dynamically. <clears throat> when I was at Cambridge as a student, we used to go into this area just near the Henry Martin Hall in the middle of the town there. I think they've stopped doing it now because they put so many um, uh, people selling goods in the marketplace that you get crowded out. But we used to be out there regularly um, preaching the gospel in the open air. And we had a dear old man, he was... Um, called the under-librarian of the university library. Now, the university library was a tall building. And why he, were, why he was um, called the, whatever it was, of the, uh, the under-librarian of the university library, why call him the under-librarian when he was right at the very top? But anyway, don't worry about that. He used to come out with us. His name was Basil. I wonder what you think of when I say Basil. Yes, he was a bit like that. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it's what people tell me I'm getting a bit like it now. <laughs> but uh, Basil was a lovely Christian. He used to spend a lot of time with the students preaching Jesus and encouraging us. And uh, somebody in the crowd shouted out to him, one of the students, because there were pubs all around and they used to be sitting out there shouting out from their pitch where they had their pints and, um, and this chap shouted what do you know about heaven because Basil had said something about heaven and he said oh he said I, I do know a lot about heaven because I live there and that's when we live in heaven not only with the hope of heaven or looking forward to heaven but when we really live in heaven and understand it, what we do is to bring heaven down to earth. And that's the wonderful job we've got to do until we get there. <clears throat> in the Genesis story, if you looked at it more carefully, you'd see that um, there, there were people there in the Genesis story who, there were those who were um, very conscious of the fact that they had done wrong. They were put out of the delight, the place of delight, the happiness that God intended. And that, of course, has continued on. And we don't live in the delight that God intended for us. One of the striking things about uh, being a Christian is that you discover you can be happy and you can even be happy when you're being persecuted. Contradiction as it might sound. And th this story, I think I've told some of you before, is about, in Iran, was about a man who was running a house church. How many of you are house group leaders here? Huh? Well, you can get a little bit of encouragement from this, or despair, as the case may be. And uh, he had this church meeting in his home. Now, there are no church buildings allowed in Iran. It is very, very hyper, hyper, strongly Islamic. And they're not allowed to have a building. And they're not allowed to meet and to worship or even to own a Bible. To ha carry one around would be 
disastrous. But the gospel, as I say, is spreading far more quickly the good news of Jesus, more people becoming Christians in Iran than in this country at the moment. And it's wonderful what God's doing there. And he's doing it because he's got hold of people, people who have got the real heart of Christianity, which is don't look forward to going to heaven, but living in it now and bringing it down to earth so that everything that we do brings a bit of heaven with it. Now it's more, it's obvious sometimes that God is more evidently doing some work there. And um, it's, it says in these early days of Genesis that when God walked in the garden and he called out and said, Adam, where are you? First question of the Bible, God is saying, where are you? Can I leave that with you this morning? Where are you? Are you in the place where you can walk with God when he comes to the garden? And um, this gentleman who had come to Christ had been a Muslim. That's dangerous too. But he was taken into... One day, the usual thing, you know, early in the morning, bangings on the door almost they're going to shut and smash it down and then they break in and uh, they go right through the house turning it upside down looking for Christian literature and in particular Bibles. So he then was told we're going to take you down to the station uh, for a couple of hours and you can have to make a statement and he went down with them but he didn't come back for four months or was it six months, I've forgotten exactly but anyway, down there he had to make confession not only of his faith in Christ but he had to tell the names of all those who were attending his house church the Bibles were all taken from him and destroyed <clears throat> and he was in solitary confinement for 15 days without seeing anybody. No charge was made against him. He just had to assume that he was there because they wanted to get rid of him. They then did something which took him by surprise because he didn't know what they were doing before in this why they were doing this, they tied him to the bed to the bed that was in the cell. He was in this, locked in this cell, and his feet stuck out the end. And they poured water over them, presumably to make them tender. I don't know hot water. Then they began to beat him with on the soles of the feet, excruciating pain. And the first blow, he said to God, Oh God, I don't know whether I can take in, uh, this. And uh, he endured a couple and he began to, to say to the Lord, I'm, I'm going to apostatize. Now, that's the most terrible thing for a Christian. I'm going to deny Jesus, in other words. And uh, he struggled with this while he was in terrible pain. And they, he found out later he was supposed to have 30 strokes of this cane across his bare feet. But um, he got to 22 strikes on his feet and he cried out to God and said, God, please forgive me. I am going to give in. I'll, uh, I know you are a loving God. Please forgive me if I deny you. And... Uh, the strange thing was, it was that moment the door of the cell opened, but he was blindfolded, I should say, so he couldn't see that. But the door opened, and he knew it, somebody had come in because there was quite a strong smell of cologne, ordinary sort of cologne that uh, men as well as women might wear. And uh, he could smell this. And... Uh, 
there was a lot of talking going on and they didn't beat him again just at the very point where he said I can't take any more please forgive me God and at that point it stopped it was later in the courtroom because eventually after about three months he was taken into court it was later he smelt the same smell again and he thought it must be a man came in and it must be this high official who is rich enough to spend his money on cologne. It wasn't cheap like aftershave, it was um, the the real thing. But anyway, it was then he found out, because they read out about him, that he was supposed to have had these 30 strokes on the feet. But he came there, but it was then that this man came in and he could smell the cologne, that it stopped. And now that same smell was in the courtroom and his torturer was there. Anyway, they took everything they could away from him. They wouldn't even let him stay in his own land. I don't know whether you like staying in your own land or you don't mind wandering around the world, but uh, he had to go to uh, the next door country and was exiled from his land. But at the time when this was, this was written up, which I'd forgotten how long it was he'd been out there, he had one f- and disciple, not just one, but he had taken through the training and discipled um, 485 people, won them to Christ, then led them in discipleship. These are the sort of people that I think will have very special places in heaven, don't you? Now, there are a lot of people going to heaven at the moment. Sometimes it's COVID, sometimes it's people being persecuted even to death. But um, that's why I thought about talking about heaven, because there's a lot of people going there. Well, we're all going there, actually, aren't we? We're not going to stay on this earth forever. But... The, the, that, that is the sad side of things the beautiful side of things is that we can bring just like that smell of cologne if you like coming in we can bring with us the smell and the happiness and the delight that was originally ours in the Garden of Eden and it's been thrown away we can bring that into everything that we are doing so that the atmosphere around us is heavenly. <laughs> oh, it's not bad, don't worry. But uh, there are many good things that have... Thank you. Many good things have happened through COVID and one of them is I've caught up with quite a lot of people who didn't have anything else to do. And uh, they've emailed me and some of them were bold enough to write letters despite COVID being on them or something like that. But um, it's brought to my memory loads of people that I give thanks to God for them. But one of them, some of you might remember, right back in the early days of Ixus when we used to meet here and they're about the same number as <laughs> we are now, we had a Chinese doctor, or he was trained to be a doctor then at at, um, St. Bart's Hospital uh, called Tom Chung. Any of you remember Tom? Oh yes. And uh, so I got on the phone to him and I haven't spoken to him for a long, long time. I've written letters to him but he never writes back. He's a terrible letter writer. But um, he's in Borneo. And this is the brighter side of things. I will cheer you up before you go home. And um, I hope. But I phoned up Tom and he was over the moon, of course, at hearing my voice and he started to rave on about this, that and the other. But all the time he was saying, you know, out here it's absolutely wonderful. He says, the presence of God is indescribable 
and with it goes all the wonderful things that God does saving people healing people and so on and he started to rave on like this and it reminded me again this sense of heaven is, is a wonderful thing and there's I don't know if you've heard about the Borneo revival have you? well this is the sort of fruit of it that he as a doctor has been ministering to people they hardly need a doctor they are so full of God's presence very simple minded he was saying but they just trust him and they trust him to do what he says he'll do and they see healings quite considerably and uh, he was raving on like this and it's what made me think about heaven I want a bit more heaven down here on earth don't you and uh, Tom was um, telling me thing after thing of stories of what he's experiencing out there well he did promise that he might be coming back for a while for just a short while in about a year or two and uh, we certainly won't let him come back and not drag him in here so you can all meet him great character and um, the Borneo revival has created this or brought about this presence of God sometimes I've said to particularly people who've had visions of Christ how did you know it was Christ especially you'll find this amongst Muslims who get there are a lot of Muslims having visions of Christ well how do you know it's Christ does he have a sort of a placard there saying I am Jesus or something they just know it that is the intuition of God's spirit when we move and live in the spirit of God we just know and they say well I just knew it was Jesus and I wanted him to touch my life I want him to touch mine this morning don't you let him you know, stretch forth your hand Lord and heal <clears throat> now if heaven comes down to earth we didn't read the whole of chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation but you'll find one of the features of heaven is that there are trees there and the tree of life is all over the place when we were in the Garden of Eden it was in the middle of the of the garden but that was it now the tree of is absolutely prolific all over the place and it's speaking of the healing to the nations and I used to puzzle about it and say well why would they in heaven need to have healing why would they need to have the tree for the leaves of the tree was for the healing of the nations it says do you remember that we didn't read that bit did we this morning we did the tree the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations the Gentiles for the peoples I thought well why would they need that in heaven well it's because heaven's operating not only at the end of everything when we will presumably live in full and deep health it could mean that but we bring a bit of it down with us so another thing that COVID has done for me um, did you hear um, Henry preach last Sunday did you, were you in the stream anywhere any of you well he told of an experience he had which I, I've, uh, I'd really forgotten it made me go home and try to write down as many of the names of people I've seen healed in my ministry as I could I couldn't remember all of them by any means but um, that and uh, a lady I think I did tell you about who 50 years ago she's now 70 something I prayed for her when I was traveling through um, a town up in the Midlands I've forgotten the name of it but I think I did tell you at the time and after 50 years she told me she was healed and never gone back on it, it was something serious and debilitating now she lived all that time then she thought well perhaps I'd better tell him I did get healed well it doesn't matter because it isn't me is it 
we cry like the children, like the people of God did. Stretch forth your hand. This is in Pentecost times. Stretch forth your hand to heal. And I keep praying that and want to see more healings, don't you? That's bringing the trees of the, the healing leaves, bringing them down to earth and seeing people healed. And not as an unusual thing, but this is the natural thing to be doing all the time. If you live in heaven, if you are living in the presence of God, everywhere you go in Borneo, you'll find you're in the presence of God to breathe it in, to enjoy it, to look out for it, to enter into it, etc., etc. Well, then, the, I think the first great healing in my life was not my ministry, but I was taken to see a lady. It was when I was down in Swansea area, South Wales. And in those days, there had been a work by Rhys Howells. Many of you heard of Rhys Howells? A great prayer. And uh, there was one occasion when his, it was, his Bible school was getting bigger and bigger. The next-door neighbor saw him looking over the wall. And he went down to the estate agent and put his house on the market. And the man said, what are you doing that for? He said, well, I've noticed that that Reese Howe's living next door there. If he gets interested in any properties, because he's getting a bigger and bigger Bible school, um, the, the people either die or something goes wrong and they pop off. So I'm moving out, he said, before it happens. <laughs> See, it was quite a prayer. But um, it was... He's dead, of course. Uh, but one of his... Um, one that continued on with the work and this is the very beginning of my ministry so that's a long while ago now isn't it 50 years yeah something more than that 60 years or something but I was he was a medical doctor that's the reason why I'm telling you about him Dr. Simpson and he was running the work then and uh, I went with him to meet a lady called Melita did I tell you this story before? It was the most outstanding healing I've ever seen. Melita was um, born with a TB spine and she never, never walked until she was healed. And she used to lie generally pretty flat and was carried around almost everywhere. And he took me to talk to her because... She now was standing upright and she could walk around. But she used to be carried down into the tent meetings. They would have, I like tent meetings. Used to enjoy those. And um, anyway, the, she used to be carried into these evangelistic tent meetings and uh, people knew her everywhere and was often prayed for, but she didn't seem to change at all. But um, a lady came there. She was a Methodist lady. And uh, her name was Marjorie Salmon. Any Marjories here? Sir? Not a particularly attractive name, but um, she was well known in, in those days that she had seen a lot of healing in her ministry. And uh, she... She saw her. She saw Melita on this pallet, which she carried in in the tent meeting, and she came over to her after and said that she would pray for you. She prayed then, but she said, "I'll go on praying for you every morning at seven o'clock. Now you do the same." And so uh, Melita went home. She lived with her mother had died by this time. I didn't tell you how she got converted. She got converted because she rolled over in a bed in her home and pulled a drawer open of the thing at the side and she found a John's Gospel. Nobody knows how it got there. Mother was quite pagan, didn't want anything to do with Christianity. And she read John's Gospel 
and was absolutely full of it. So when a woman came round the door selling Bibles, the mother said, oh, you better come in and have a chat with Melita. She's, always, she's very religious. And so this woman went on, learned her story, how she became a Christian, and then, um, of course, told other Christians about her. So loads of Christians came to take her out to the meetings and give her a break. And that's how things have gone on. Um, her mother died, but she had a sister. And she was pushed into her sister's home, was brought up there. The sister was not overly happy to have to look after a permanent invalid. It's what a sad thing, isn't it? A lot of people are having to learn how to do that with the COVID situation. And... Uh, they're not always happy, but it's something that we can show a different way. And in this incident, she, um, Marjorie Salmon gave this promise to her, and she thought she ought to keep her promise, talked about it. Her sister came in and used to come in in the morning, wake her up and say, come on, do your stuff, and she would pray. And after a few days, I think it was only two actually, but um, the sister came in, shook her awake, said, come on, do your stuff now, do your praying, you know. And um, that's fine. And uh, this Melita once more prayed because she knew that Marjorie Salmon was praying as well and she um, she was lying in bed of course stretched out but then suddenly there was a noise in the bedroom that made the sister turn around and come back in and said I could swear I heard a noise in here what's happened it was a kind of a cracking noise and it was the bones in Melita's body being put straight and she just screamed and ran out and said it's magic <laughs> I suppose it's something that people would acknowledge it wasn't human but it was magic or something she screamed and then neighbours started to escort her back into the house and come in and they started to look after her but was in the by the time the evening came and the sister came back in. She was standing upright, which she'd never done before, and she was able to look her straight in the face and start to do things with her hands before she could never do any of that at all. She was quite well known at the time, and when they took her out in a car one day, they drove into a petrol station to get some petrol, and uh, the man supplying the petrol looked in and said, you're Melita, aren't you? Because it had been in the local paper. And she got up on the bonnet of the car and began to preach Jesus. So a crowd gathered. And uh, so the story goes on. She's a lovely lady. And when I asked her to tell me about what she, she'd felt anything or whatever, and she said, I said, when... Marjorie Salmon put her hands on your head and prayed for you. Did you feel anything? She said, no. I was disappointed. She said, but I did see something. I saw the Lord. And then she said, oh, he was so beautiful. Now, God is beautiful. Jesus is beautiful. Heaven is beautiful. It's full of beauty. If you read carefully those last two chapters which we just touched into, you'll find there's colour all over the place. Some of the colour comes from other verses in, the, in Revelation. There's a rainbow around the throne which is in the midst of heaven. So there's a, all the colours to start with. And then that great list that I imposed on Debbie just at the moment to read all the different jewels and how they scintillated and sparkled. 
Heaven is beautiful because Jesus is beautiful. Oh, he was so beautiful. She didn't mention that she got healed that day. She mentioned, I saw Jesus and he was so beautiful. I'm looking forward to going to heaven, aren't you? Because it says very clearly what was read this morning. And they shall see his face. They'll serve him and they shall see his face. Heaven's just like it is for us now. We can serve. And every time a little bit of heaven comes down onto earth for other people to enjoy, then we, it's because we see his face. Oh, the Lord is in that place. The Lord's there. The Lord's all over the Borneo area. They've had this revival and he's just fills the place. The presence of God is in this place. Um, and a, a person comes into a hospital and says, oh, where is patient so-and-so? The almoner says, oh, he's in that ward there, but you won't need anybody to tell you. He just shines. There's a shining out because the beauty of heaven shines out of faces that have been touched by God. That's lovely, isn't it? I wonder if anybody ever says that about you. You'll know him because you'll know her. She just shines. Because that's the glory of God. And when, when the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven, you remember we start in a garden, we finish in a garden city. So when the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven, Genesis, you're in a garden called Delight. Book of Revelation, getting ready for eternity, the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven. But there's no temple there because the Lord God and the Lamb are the temple thereof. And living in God and in Christ, we know God is at home. He's come to be at home. When we begin the story of mankind, God visits them in the garden at certain times. When we get to the book of Revelation, God is there permanently because he's built his house there. He's built his city. They looked for a city whose builder and architect was God. That's even way back in the days of Abraham. It's a long while and we have to wait a long time sometimes. Like the first convert in, took so long in um, Persia. Iran I told you that story so here we are in this waiting period wanting more and more of heaven to be about us when we get up in the morning when we read a book when we talk to a neighbour when we look around and do a kindness kindness is coming out of heaven down to earth and it makes such a difference to people not only to the Christian who is the instrument but to the people that they, you live with and you're affecting and more of heaven about the place it's more and more beautiful every day is that what you want? it's what I'm longing more and more in my life more and more of Jesus will be coming through and people, if they see Jesus, they say, oh, he's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm glad about that. Anyway, there are other stories I could tell you about Melita. She is quite a long one. So I'll stop it there because time's running short. Let's just finish with this. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, there was precious stones, there was gold, and there were pearls. It's a funny word in the Hebrew, but it's almost, I would say, biblically you would uh, want to translate it pearls. Now those three things are there in the book of Revelation, in the picture of the new Jerusalem, God's home, which he brings down to earth. The tabernacle of God is with men, it says. So he brings his home down to earth. It's in the city called the new Jerusalem, 
And in the New Jerusalem, it's just gold, but it's gold you can see through. So presumably between Genesis and Revelation, people have been getting the gold out of the earth. There was gold there with the help of the river that ran around and you wash it and and the precious stones, gold, precious stones and pearls. And the pearls are the gates of the city. The gold is the rest of the city. (laughs) The stones with all their beauty are found in the foundations. To get a stone, you have to put it under great heat and the great heat of those who are being persecuted and dying for their faith produces something beautiful in it. It's a bit of God's beauty is now translated into that person's life. The gold and the precious stones and the pearls. The gold is the loveliness of the being of our Lord Jesus. I was in correspondence with a publisher who's wanting to publish one of my books. And he said, I was reading your manuscript and I read that that Eve was built out of Adam. And I said, yes, she's the bride of Christ and she's built. He said, I've not come across that before. I said, well, it's the Hebrew word, being built out of Adam. So that gold is all of Jesus and who we are built into the New Jerusalem It's Christ being built into our lives. I will build my, you could say, my church, or I shall build my house, or I will build my whatever. (laughs) And God is doing that in us. Isn't it wonderful God takes the trouble over us to take a bit of heaven and put it into us? The beauty which is his, which is all over heaven, he now translates it into us and he builds us and makes us more and more contribute to his future house, his home where you can go and find him in the earth now because heaven has come down completely to earth and they say the the pearls where do they come from? well you know how a pearl is made? It's a mother of pearl inside some shellfish and if a little bit of grit gets in and marks it, scars it, the pearl just wraps around it, the mother of pearl, and a pearl is brought into being. So Jesus, the pearl of great price if you like, is like a pearl because at the heart there is a scar, there's a bit of grit, there's a bit of pain and he's just covered it around with his beauty, the beauty of God and has become something that we now can say, oh yes, that's beautiful. Wouldn't have seen it otherwise because you don't see an awful lot in heaven because you just look right through it. It's made of gold and precious stones but you can just look right through them. You read it carefully, you'll see because heaven is not, a pla- is not a place where you can hide. It's not a place where you can wear fig leaves as they did in the garden. It's a place where you just look right through. Everything is, everybody is open. And you can see right through. And I wish I had a bit more discernment in my life. It would have saved me from a lot of problems I've been into. But Faith's pretty good at it. I think she has the gift of discernment and she looks right through people and sees where there's a blockage. I don't want a blockage. I want a life that you can look at and see right through it. It's truth, not false truth or make-up truth or political truth, which is just lies. They just block you seeing because you see the untruth. You see the thing that's not really pure and clear. Heaven is a wonderful place, but nothing that defiles is going to be allowed in there. Well, I could go on a bit longer, but I won't. 
because I'm sure you're all ready to go home. But go home and see your home become God's home by bringing more and more stuff out of heaven to earth. All the things that make him so lovely now start to be seen in the homes of believers. And where it looks as though you've lost out because you've suffered maybe in seeking to live for Jesus, although it's nothing like what most people in the world we've been reminded this morning are suffering for his sake. Remember there is another day coming. When we die, we are going on. There's more. That's, this life is only the beginning. And that more is so beautiful and so wonderful. It's easy to live in it. It's only when it's not beautiful. <laughs> it's ugly. You don't want to be in it. You want to keep out of it. So we've got a good future waiting for us even though we've lost a year in COVID. And just in passing, I think I've become convinced the only way to deal with this COVID business is to see it under our feet. Oh, we're going to control it, say the politicians. They can't control it. It's, going, it's making it almost laughable when they say it, but it isn't laughable for those who've lost loved ones. It's painful. Let's put it, as it were, under our feet and require that the God who can make all things new, the God who can heal, has got all those trees waiting in heaven for us to enjoy. Trees got healing in their leaves for the nations. And that some of that comes down onto earth. That'll deal with COVID. So keep on pulling those leaves down in prayer. You with me? It's the church in the end that can bring order back. Very orderly place, heaven. You know, it looks like a cube. It doesn't look like a rubbishy, falling apart place. It's a, as heights, the same as its length, the same as its breadth. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to be going to. It's a wonderful place to live in now. Amen. Wow.